The scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 13 through 29. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds in the power of your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and the beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yes, thanks be to God, indeed. Which path will we choose? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, grab your Bibles, if you will, with me. I want to invite us to walk through this passage together today. But Jesus says here, he begins his conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount with these words. He says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. But then he goes on to say, the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it, which path will we take? As Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount, he returns to the beginning where he outlined a path for us, the Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When we first encounter God, we have to acknowledge the poverty of our own souls. And when we do, it leads to mourning. Blessed are those who mourn and humility. Blessed are the meek. Jesus begins by describing a path he begins this amazing sermon by describing a path. And as he concludes it, he reminds us once more, we get to choose which road, which path will we take? Will we take the path that is easy and self-gratifying, but not satisfying? The path that leads us where we don't want to go or Will we choose the other path, the harder path, the path that will truly satisfy and leads us to the very kingdom of God? Which path will we choose? Jesus uses this as a springboard into the next section. Look in verse 15. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets 
who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus is telling us here that good trees don't have to work hard to make good fruit. It's natural. It's in their DNA. Good trees simply make good fruit. And that leads us to an incredibly important point in Christ's conclusion of this sermon. Because if we were to look back at the Sermon on the Mount, it would be really, really easy to get overwhelmed. Saying, I could never follow all of these teachings, but the Sermon on the Mount isn't a checklist. It was never designed to be a checklist that we have to follow. Rather, what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount is he is describing what the life that bears good fruit looks like. And here we learn how to get it. We become something, we become someone that bears good fruit if and only if we have been transformed within. Jesus describes the good fruit. He says that we should seek reconciliation rather than separation. Unity over disunity. He tells us that we should seek self-examination over judgment. These are the succulent fruit of faith, and we don't get them because we follow a checklist. They come because we follow Christ, because we are transformed within. And when we see it this way, these complicated teachings of Jesus actually become fairly simple. Not easy, but simple. Leading to one all-important question. Am I regularly submitting myself to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ? Am I regularly submitting myself to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus Christ? Because if I am, God is at work to transform me from the inside out. And in turn, I will bear fruit. Because that's what good trees do. But if I am not regularly submitting to the lordship and to the leadership of Jesus Christ in my life, I'm never going to bear that good and lasting fruit Christ calls me to bear. Because if the tree isn't healthy, it's not going to bear good fruit. What kind of fruit have you been bearing? This is a central theme all throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Central to what Jesus teaches us throughout this gospel. In fact, if we go to the end of Jesus' teaching, the last words, according to Matthew, he speaks as a free man. It's that parable of the sheep and the goats. And a number of you have heard me quote it a number of times. I think it's one of the most powerful passages in the Bible. The last words Jesus speaks as a free man, according to Matthew, are these. He says, when the Son of Man comes and the holy angels with him, he's going to divide the nations before him as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He's going to place the sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left. He's going to turn to those on his right and he's going to say, bless, bless you into the kingdom of heaven because I was hungry, I was thirsty, 
I was naked. I was a stranger. I was sick. I was in prison. And you ministered to me. And they're going to say, Lord, when? When were you hungry or thirsty or naked or a stranger or sick or in prison? And we cared for you. And he will say, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did it to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. Enter into your rest. Then he turns those ones left. And has the diametrically opposed conversation. Depart from me because I was hungry and thirsty and naked and stranger. And they say, Lord, when? And he says, whenever you didn't do it to the least of my brothers and sisters, you didn't do it unto me. And you might say, Pastor, does this mean that we have to earn our salvation through our works? No. It means if we have been transformed, we will bear fruit. Real, tangible Fruit, feeding, housing, clothing, nurturing, loving. The good tree bears good fruit. What kind of fruit have you been bearing? This dovetails nicely, perfectly with the next section. Where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. For on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me. You evildoers. Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but only those who do the will of my heavenly Father. Different words, same theme. This is not a workspace righteousness. I am not made righteous in front of God because of the things I do. I am made righteous in front of God because I know Christ. And if I know Christ, I will bear fruit. Am I getting to know Christ? Truly. Beyond the scope of this sermon or this time, or you're sitting there in your couch or your camp or wherever you are, just for this moment, I want to encourage you to take this moment for inventory. Is Christ at the center? Are are you reading your Bible daily? Not because it's part of a checklist or a routine. Are you reading your Bible every day because in so doing, you hear the voice of the one who created you and gave you identity? Are we praying regularly, truly connecting with God? This is an all-in kind of faith. Jesus is clear It is an all-in kind of faith. We choose one path or we choose the other. We choose what we're going to build our life on. Look at verse 24. Final words of the Sermon on the Mount are these. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. 
And everyone who hears these words of mine but does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is an all-in faith church. And if I choose to build my life on Christ, I'm like the wise man whose foundation is solid. For I am doing what Christ commands. My life will stand. But if I've heard all of these things that Jesus had to say, and I choose not to put them into practice, if I choose not to make Christ the central piece and the foundation of my life, Jesus says I'm foolish. Like someone who builds their house on the sand, the winds, the rain, the waves, they come and that house, that life doesn't have a chance. My brothers and sisters, one of the single greatest threats to us living the abundant life in Christ, the single greatest threat, I think, to us leading the, leading the abundant life in Christ is the sin of being a nominal Christian. A Christian in name only. I love the way Paul describes it in 2 Timothy. He describes this kind of faith as having a knowledge of God, but denying the power that is there. Jesus warns us. That if we are those who hear these words and we choose not to put them into practice, our lives will fall down around us. So which path will you choose? Am I making it to church when I can and kind of trying to be a good person? Because that's going to lead to an anemic and an emaciated faith. Or am I genuinely, genuinely striving each day to be intimate with the one who loves me most? Which path will we choose? I have one more thing I want to discuss with us, but as we are concluding this greatest statement on human ethics and human history, it comes down to the condition of our hearts. We can choose to found our lives on Christ, be transformed and bear good fruit, or we can choose not to. And I wanted to take a moment for us to spend together in confession. Throughout the study, all of us have found areas in our lives that we need to grow in, of course. There have been times we've given ourselves over to anxiety, Times we've chosen to look at judgment on another when Jesus calls us to examine ourselves. All of us, all of us must be convicted by the words of the Sermon on the Mount. But I want to focus on the most important problem for just a moment. And spend time confessing that for many of us, the pursuit of Christ and his kingdom has not been at the center of our lives. And correspondingly, that our lives have not been terribly fulfilling. 
Have we given God permission to transform us each day? So we can bear good fruit. Have we chosen to build our lives on the only sure and certain foundation? If not, would today, would this moment be the day that we begin to store up treasures in heaven? Could this be the day we begin to bear good fruit? Could this be the day that you make Jesus Christ the center of your life? Would you pray with me? Lord, we confess that often in our lives we have not allowed you to be our foundation. We've centered our lives on other things. Forgive us. Through the power of the cross, forgive us because we do not wish for our lives to fall, to crash down around us. We wish for our lives to bear fruit, good fruit, fruit that will last, treasures that make it all the way to heaven. Wash away our past sins and our priorities and beginning in this moment, we choose to make you our foundation to make you our leader and our Lord, to seek deeper and deeper connection with you so that you can change us from the inside, allowing us to bear good fruit that in you will last. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I genuinely want Christ to be at the center of my life. In this moment, my great desire is to have him as the center of my life. How do we sustain that? How do we find success at keeping Christ at the center? Well, brothers and sisters, we don't do it alone. One of the greatest misconceptions I regularly see about this spiritual journey is that we have to walk it by ourselves, but that's ridiculous. God gave us the gift of one another. Over these past few months, my small group has been one of the single greatest gifts in my life. And I'll tell you something. We've been walking passage by passage through the Gospel of John. It just so happens to be my favorite book in the Bible. It has been some of the richest, most beautiful, powerful conversation we've ever had as a small group. And a couple weeks ago, I shared with that, my small group a, a dream. Three parts. Three elements to it about what our our life and community as a small group could look like. And here's the first piece. That we would radically pursue Christ together and, and hold each other accountable as we do so. Not in some judgmental way, but in a loving way so that we can all reach the goal of genuinely coming closer to Christ. The second dream I shared with my small group was that we would be intentional about being a true family for one another. Celebrating with one another in our joys. Grieving in our losses. We would truly grow closer together. Drawing closer to Christ 
and holding each other accountable as we do so, drawing close to one another. And there was a third area. That third area was that we would be intentional about the ways we bear fruit as a group, as a family, that we would find missional opportunities. And it's, it's a little harder to do, no doubt, right now in this COVID environment, but this is a perfect, a perfect time to adopt a strategy for what our groups will look like in the future. And there are some amazing mission opportunities we can participate in right now. Three elements, three elements, three steps in the small group. To draw closer to Christ and hold each other accountable as we do so. To draw closer to one another. And together to make a difference in this world. Listen, if you're not in a small group already, go to ebenezerumc.org slash connected. You'll have the opportunity to share with us some of the things that you're looking for in a small group and we'll match you with a small group that will connect well with you. And if, if you're already in a small group, I want to ask one of you to, to do this this week. To ask your group, are we truly, truly drawing closer to Christ and holding each other accountable as we do so? Are we truly acting as a family for one another? Have we been engaging in bearing fruit, the missional work that God calls us to? This is the greatest sermon the world has ever heard, the Sermon on the Mount. And it boils down essentially to this. A description of a kingdom in which we will perpetually draw closer to God, draw closer to one another, and transform the world. So let's do it together. Thank you for being part of this eight-week journey. And may God bless us all as we draw closer to Christ, closer to one another, and change this world together. Amen.